What's up, everybody? Ashley here, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Love Me. This episode right here, this episode right here, y'all, I am proud to bring you this guest. He has a wealth of knowledge. If you checked out the IG and you will hear his his intro on here, he's going to drop all these gems. And because he's dropping all these gems, I'm going to give y'all that slow drip. Now, this episode, a total of an hour and 30 minutes. So I'm going to give it to you guys in 30 minute increments. This episode right here is going to get dropped part one right now, then part two, and then part three. So that way you can listen to it at your leisure and take in all the information that we both have to give. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this. If you want to stay up on everything Love Me, go follow me on IG at the art of Ashley with underscores. That is the underscore art underscore of underscore Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y. And without further ado, I would love to introduce today's guest. This gentleman is a Harvard certified global health professional, is entrepreneurship certified from Wharton Business School, a certified life coach, business analyst, and geopolitical analyst. I know that's a mouthful. Um, In his business, he facilitates self-growth by helping clients identify the core challenges and setbacks in their lives so that they can overcome them with confidence. And to Mm -hmm. top it all off, he's been happily married for 10 plus years and is a proud father of four. Like That is a lot on one plate and that's amazing (laughs) you're able to do that. Thank you for joining me. Thank you and welcome Rule From Within. How are you doing today? I'm very well, and, and thank you so much for having me. And this is a, a wonderful experience for me too, just to be able to speak with you because I love the work that you do and the message that you send to people and how much hope and optimism you bring to the table. So it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Same here, likewise. I appreciate you so much. To give people a background of how I ended up coming across you and your content, I think we both take a course through Derek Grace, or we have, during mm-hmm. quarantine, related to mindset, but it blew my mind and I was like, wow, what he's saying is in alignment with what I'm thinking and putting on my podcast. Like, I have to find a way to connect. You had a training, it was on goal setting and planning. Mm-hmm. And then I got in there and one of the first things you started talking about was OODA loops. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of my listeners who don't know what an OODA loop is, it's O-O-D-A and it stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And excuse me, an OODA loop is what the military uses, a, a method to make decisions. And I feel like everybody in their own way uses OODA loops, which is crazy because the way you described it was pretty effortless. Would you like to go ahead and describe OODA loops for those watching and listening? Absolutely. Yeah. So an OODA loop is a powerful decision-making tool. Um, it was created by an Air Force pilot by the name of John Boyd. And John Boyd was phenomenally good at at his job, being an Air Force pilot, and he retired to work for the Pentagon. And he studied what are successful Air Force pilots doing when it's a life or death situation and they have to make a decision that could cost them their life or lead them to to victory. So what he did is he, he analyzed their thought process and he came up with those four letters making the acronym of OODA loop. So O is orient, uh, or I'm sorry, observe, and then the second O is orient, and then the D is decide, and then you act. And what I wanted to do is take that concept and teach it to individuals who may not very be very strong at making decisions, 
so that in a moment, instead of relying on just emotions, they could take a step back and say, let me go through this quick process where I can use more of my executive functioning element of my brain and make a better decision that has better long-term consequences. So there are always going to be consequences, good and bad, and you also have unintended consequences, but the goal is to make it so that you're tilting the better consequences in your favor. So when you have a system in place, you can do that. And so many people talk about uh, you know, blueprints and, and the current system not being a certain way. If the system that we operate in is not working the way we want it to, then we have to make sure that if we're trying to replace it, that we understand systems thinking in general, and we have a system for ourselves. Because the people who are currently in power thought the same thing. They said the system wasn't working, so let me go ahead and just change it. And if they are not prepared mentally, if they don't have a proven, time-tested, in this case, battle-tested system, it's very easy for a person to make a mistake. And with systems thinking in general, what happens is people who are not privy to that way of thinking, they look at, they look at what's readily available, what's right in front of them. Instead of what's invisible, that actually might be the cause of the effect that they're seeing. So they might point to a politician, or they might point to the mayor, or they might point to somebody else in their family and say, this is the individual or the reason why I'm having problems, without ever reflecting and taking a moment and saying, okay, I exist in a macro system. What is the micro system that I have created to operate in that macro system? So I wanted to bring the OODA loop to the table and let people know, hey, here's a system that you can use to make better decisions. Here's how it works. And now all you have to do is just make yourself aware of using it and use it, practice it. The more you practice it and the tighter you go through the loop, the better you're going to become at using it, which gives you a tactical advantage over your competition, but also over your lower self. Man, that was deep. So you said your lower self, how would you describe your lower self? Not you personally, but one's lower self. Yeah. So that would be the, the part of you that is always saying, or, or is readily available to, to pull you in the direction you're not supposed to go in. So it's the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. The lower self would be the metaphorically, the devil saying, you know, just go ahead, just one more time, or go ahead and go beyond the speed limit. Instead of going 30, go 35. But what happens is over time, instead of going 35, now you go 40, now you go 45, and you become an aggressive driver, and you get into an accident. Later on, you say, you know what, I never thought that I would end up in that situation. That's because you were feeding or giving into that lower version of yourself. So your higher self is going to be the portion of you that is operating at a much higher level of consciousness. I know the meme right now is people will say uh, that you're vibrating at a higher frequency. I've always known it from the books that I have, um, you know, some of them are like 500 years old, where, you know, they're talking about operating at a higher level of consciousness, which is making decisions that not only improve your life and those you love, but also, I would say, the neighborhood or the society in general. So you're moving from, you know, being a survivalist, I, to we, to us, to them, to the, you know, everyone. So your higher level of consciousness is you being able to tap into the best version of yourself. A good metaphor or symbol of this is the uh, Sphinx. 
-hmm. in uh, ancient Egypt. And the reason why is because the Sphinx's face once held the face of a woman. And, and Egypt actually had three female pharaohs that did a phenomenal job, but no one knew about them until recently the hieroglyphics, the clay fell off of one of the tombs. And when it fell off, they, were, they saw a whole nother story behind the, the clay that was put up to cover up the, uh, the three female Egyptian pharaohs. So the Sphinx was the head of a woman and the body of a lion. And it symbolized the rational part of the human being reigning supreme over the animalistic reptilian you know, part of the brain. So anybody who you know, went to that land would see, if it was known as Kemet before Egypt, they would, look, they would go to Kemet and, and they would see, okay, we are dealing with individuals who know how to think. Mm-hmm. And not only do they know how to think, but they're also acknowledging the emotional animalistic part of themselves. So you get both. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's deep. I didn't even know that about the Sphinx at all. Um, I'm literally coming into a lot of knowledge over time. And I noticed, I guess there's like a shift of consciousness as they've been saying, like during this last year that mm-hmm. is, has not been seen. And it's like, how do you, how does one overcome and use that rational mind versus the reptilian mind, mm-hmm. you know? So how, how do you suggest that? Like, how do we get to be, how do you help your clients get to be their higher self versus their lower self? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And that's one that everybody should ask, ask in general. So mm-hmm. even just asking that question, right? What I've noticed, because I grew up very poor and, you know, it was, it was extraordinarily difficult. And what helped, you know, me and my, my siblings be more successful, because we want to continue to be successful, was our imagination. Being able to imagine something better and then the desire to obtain what you imagine would pull you in that direction. So I think part of it is taking the time to begin to ask yourself questions that you put off or being around other individuals that uh, engage in intellectually stimulating conversations like your podcast, for example. Mm -hmm. They're going to cause the individual to begin to ask questions. And what we have to remember is I'm a big proponent on etymology. Mm -hmm. So the study of words and you can go to Latin, but even if you look at Latin, it comes from Hebrew, which comes from the ancient Phoenician languages. But the root of the word question is quest, the journey that you go on. So when you ask a question, it opens up the mind where an answer closes it. So the first step is being able to ask yourself questions that you've either put off or that you've never asked yourself before. So I would say in the development of the individual, you take out a piece of paper or your computer and it's blank. It's blank for a reason. And what you do is you write down ultimately what you're trying to achieve in your life. And what you'll see is that 99.9% of people are seeking peace. Mm-hmm. The word peace, P-E-A-C-E, can be defined, you know, it's subjective. It's an abstract concept. It doesn't exist where I can put it in a wheelbarrow and bring it to your house and say, this is what peace is. It has to be defined by each and every individual. And so when the individual defines it for themselves and why they're seeking what that ultimately is, then they can begin to develop themselves in a way where they can ask this question of, okay, this is what I ultimately would like to achieve. Who do I need to become to have that in my life? If I already don't have that in my life, that means that there are certain qualities or traits that haven't been developed that enable me to acquire that. 
So the question is, who do I need to become in order to have A, B, and C in my life? And then the next question is, well, when can I start? If you wanted to be a president or a CEO, you don't wait until you become a president or CEO. You would begin engaging in the behaviors today. And so when it comes to an individual developing themselves, you have to, the word character means the mark left by a chisel. So we make ourselves, mm-hmm. we, we make ourselves in the marks that are left behind the struggle, the adversity that we experience and the lessons that we've gleaned and we've learned, those marks ultimately become the character traits that will, will lead us to whatever it is we ultimately want to achieve. And with character, there's actually two kinds of character. Mm-hmm. You have what's called performance character. This is going to be focus, determination, grit, honesty. Then you have what's called moral character. This is going to be empathy, compassion, things along those lines where you take into consideration other people. So in your pursuit of acquiring what you ultimately want to achieve, you have to look at this idea of who we are is based upon what we're made up of. So what are the ingredients that make you you? Mm-hmm. So you can say, well, I'm a very honest person or I have a high amount of integrity. Okay, great. Now, whatever it is that you want to achieve in your life, what are the qualities and the traits you currently don't have that will enable you to reach that goal? Mm-hmm. What are the quality and traits that you currently have that you can amplify or maximize that will help you reach that goal? So in the pursuit of you know, a person reaching their highest self, they have to take a hard look at who they are and not just what they've been taught to be from their society, from their parents, from their significant other. There's a lot of married couples where the husband has, you know, influenced the wife to the point where she, she, she adorns a specific role and the same thing with the husband. So it's about really getting to know who you are and what you actually think about yourself. And that requires being able to filter out all of the noise mm-hmm. that exists in our world. You know, we see anywhere from 20 to 30,000 advertisements per day. And we know that 60 to 80,000, we think on average 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day and 77 to 85% of those are negative. Now, the crazy thing about this is the majority of those thoughts are not ours. Mm-hmm. We're just stating the opinions of others. And it's from society it's from our parents it's from the movies we watch it's from the songs we sing that's why songs have a course they're designed to make it so that and there's actually something there's a german word called earworm which is when the song gets stuck in your head they use a formula to do that they want the song to be stuck in your head and here's what's here's what's amazing when you when you repeat the chorus of a song in order for you to say it you are adopting the thoughts of the person who wrote the song and what's interesting is that the majority of people who sing the song, they didn't even write it. Somebody else did. So you're adopting a complete stranger's thought in order for you to sing the song. And the question becomes, is that a thought that you want to repeat over and over and over and drive it deeper into your subconscious if it's not mm-hmm. even yours? So in the pursuit of us being able to reach our higher selves, in a nutshell, I know it's really long-winded, but I wanted to give you multiple uh, examples from different angles. We have to really know who we are. 
-hmm. And that's why meditation, solitude, reflection, contemplation, prayer, yes. any, any of those are so important because they help you weed out what is actually your thought from mm -hmm. what, what is everyone else's. Thank you. That was a very thorough answer because I feel that will hit each person differently, but it covers a lot of bases from different perspectives of people. And you're mm -hmm. like, that answer literally probably met a whole bunch of people where they're at already. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then with music and, and imagery and things that we're intaking, we don't even realize we're intaking nowadays. Music is a huge factor. And I had a conversation about it um, with people and not to that level of depth, but people will be like, oh yeah, listen to this song. And you know, Wayne's talking about this or whoever, and they're repeating the song. And I was like, hey, do you know what that means? And they're like, no, it, I mean, it was something about like guns and drugs, of course, that's a lot of what's in mainstream um, rap right now. And it's like the power of words in our minds, the words that we see here and our self-talk, it all blends together and it all is tied and people aren't realizing all that is, is I'm not gonna say controlling our minds, but it controls our thoughts, but we are in control of them. We're just letting these things come in freely and hold rent and hold space. Mm -hmm. And with that, people are always like, well, I have these goals. I don't know why I'm not accomplishing them. And it's crazy because I believe in, if you can imagine it, if you could dream it, you can do it. You know, it's almost like the quantum spectrum type of thing. Like you can create what you want in your mm -hmm. life. And I was explaining that to someone and they were like, what do you mean? Uh, and I was like, if you want to do something, hold that image in your head, imagine it, imagine how it would feel, imagine how your future self would feel, what are characteristics you would need to have or traits that you need to have to get to that point. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, we all want gold right? And you have your goals and I have mine and we are achieving our goals. But what about the people who aren't? Like, what would, what is the thing that they're missing? Why are they missing the mark? If they have dreams and are imagining, is it, do you think it's because of the music? Do you think it's because of limiting beliefs and the people in their life and their environment that they're letting themselves hold themselves back? Yeah, I would say environment. Definitely. You hit the nail on the head with that. It's, it's, um, gravely underestimated the effect that our environment has on us. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, like geopolitical analysis, one of the things that you, you take into consideration is what are the constraints of the individuals involved? You know, if there have been so many studies where, I'll give you one where these researchers, like in, this is around the 70s, they took mice and put them in a maze. And at the end of the maze, the mice would get uh, cheese and they put humans in a replica maze Mm -hmm. And the humans would get a $20 bill at the end. And over time, the researchers just removed the, the, the cheese and the mice and, and smell wasn't a, wasn't a factor here. But after a while of going through the maze and not finding the cheese, the mice just said, I'm not going, they didn't go through the maze anymore. Mm -hmm. With the humans, what ended up happening is people were breaking into the research facility at night to go through the maze and get the $20 bill that wasn't there. So, in many cases, we, I think what prevents most people from reaching their goals is they're working incredibly hard. There's so many people who work, you know, they work uh, 
for one hour and they make the $10 and they're working incredibly hard. Some of the hardest workers I've ever seen in my life have been maids and cleaning ladies or cleaning men, cooks, and they work extraordinarily hard and they make so little. And I think it's because they're not connecting the dots of what is actually taking place. So if you get a formal education in school, you're always taught, here's your three, here is the plus symbol or minus symbol, here's another three, and here's the equals. So the teacher is basically giving you the formula, the ingredient, to figure out what the solution is. When you become an adult, you don't get that. You don't know if you need a three or a four or five. You don't, need, you don't know if you need a plus, a multiplication, a division. Yeah. You don't even know if you're operating in traditional mathematics or if you're operating in physics, where maybe a three plus three doesn't equal six, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think the majority of people, it's the environment that has a massive role where if you're growing up and you're always being told that you're not going to amount to anything or the people around you aren't, mm -hmm. then you will most likely not reach, you know, your maximal level. And then you take people who are extraordinarily wealthy. Like I, some of, some of the people that live around me, for example, um, they, we live in Bethesda, Maryland and my family and I, and um, you know, there, there are people who their children have a learning disability, but their children who are now adults they, you know, they, they were able to get the tutorship that they needed, the medication that they needed, the support that they needed in school. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is you have a child that's disadvantaged that was given every opportunity and resource. And now that person graduated from Harvard or Yale and is overseeing a bank, right? Yeah. Whereas you see that in a lower income area or an area where it's predominantly people of color. Um, so the environment plays a massive role. The other aspect to it, I would say, is being able to use this tool that we all have, but we haven't been taught how to use, which is the same tool that an architect uses to take the invisible and make it visible. So the example you gave of the individual having a dream, having a vision, holding it in their mind, Einstein talked about, well, he, he's famous for the theory of rel relativity, E mm -hmm. equals MC squared. What he did is he took the whole mathematical concept of the known universe and he put it into basically a symbol with like, it's, it's four components to it. E equals MC squared. Mm -hmm. Now here's the key. The E is energy. The M is mass. The C represents acceleration squared. What that implies, because everybody thinks physics only applies to planets. However, your body is made up of matter in the same way that matter exists in space and you know, the cup that you have and the microphone, so on and so forth, right? Physics in those concepts apply to human beings, including our thoughts. So energy equals mass times acceleration squared. Mm -hmm. If you take a material object, the faster you speed it up, it gets to a point where you won't, you'll be able to see it, but it'll get very hot and it'll turn color. It'll become like a bright orange or a bright red. If you were to vibrate it continually, and make it move faster and faster, it will get to a point where you couldn't even see it. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a wheel that's spinning really fast and it looks like it's just staying in place. Yes. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. Our thoughts are the exact same way. Your thought is faster, or if not as fast as the speed of light. In order to extract key components of a vision or a dream, you have to do the opposite, which is to slow it down. So when you talk about a person going into their vision and their dreams and their goals, they have to really go in that thought. They have to go into that idea. For example, if a person is thinking about making a building, 
the architect is going to say, all right, here's the building. The building is going to be composed of five rooms. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, he's, he or she is compartmentalizing. The first room has to be this shape, this dimension, this square footage. See how the architect is stepping into the thought or the vision and the goal, and they're slowing down the whole thought by compartmentalizing it, cutting it up, dissecting it, adding what they need. They're going to get to a point where they can then say, okay, I'm going to step away from this image, this concept, and now I have what I need to go build it in real life. Most people haven't been taught to do that. So they have dreams of one day being rich. But I'll have clients say, uh, you, you know, rule, I'd like to have more money. And I say, okay, well, here's a dollar. No, 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 that's not what I mean. What I mean to say is I want to have $100,000. Okay, great. Do you want passive income? Do you want cash flow? Do you want capital gains? Where would you like the income to come from? When they begin to take apart the thought, then they can begin to build it into matter that actually exists in the real world. And it sounds very esoteric. It sounds kind of wishy-washy, but everything that a human being has created, this is how they did it. The word artifact means from the arm of man. So anything that's been created by human beings, in essence, becomes an artifact. And that individual had to go from the idea being in their mind to generating it in real life by taking apart the idea, adding what they needed into the different spaces of the images, and then bringing it into real life. I'll give you a really uh, simple example. If anybody who's listening uh, doesn't follow it, everything I'm saying, watch the Lego movie, the first one. Okay. Bertuvius teaches the main character, Emmett, to go into his mind, look for the pieces to build something in real life, and then come back from, you know, visualizing and to create it in real life. The whole Lego movie was designed for kids, but also to help adults understand whatever it is you can imagine, you can build it in real life. But if you have Lord Business, the antithesis, the bad guy, the antagonist, Uh saying, nope, nope, you can't have it, this is mine, then you're going to be hesitant about it because you don't want to have to deal with the consequences of Lord Business saying, this is mine and now you're in trouble. So you actually do have people who do that. We would be far more creative if everything wasn't being done for us. Like early on in America, 98% of Americans were entrepreneurs. But you don't have to figure out a way to grow your own food. You don't have to figure out a way to, to make the food stay fresher or longer if you live in a place where you can just go to the grocery store and buy as much as you want. True. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that, that's, uh, I, I'd say that's probably the, the major bottleneck for people being able to reach their goals is just not taking the time to really understand what it is that they see in their mind as an image and what it would mean for them to have it in their life. Wow. That's a great way to, I didn't, I didn't know Lego movie was like that. Like I was like, yeah, it's a really good movie for a while. I pushed it off. But now that I see it, I'm like, wow, I want to watch yeah. it again now. Okay. That was a great explanation for people to get that. And then, when you see things, like you said, you to see, to be able to create it. And you mentioned, as you're mentioning, creating exactly what you want. When you said, you'd want more money, I'll give you a dollar. Okay, I want $100,000. Do you want it to be residual? Do you want it to be X, Y, Z? That goes into when you have a dream to be specific. Because mm-hmm. if you ask for something, okay, I'm thirsty, here's a beer. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. thirsty, here's something else. And it's not what you want. You can't be upset at 
not receiving what you want because you didn't put out what you want. You didn't put out that expectation either for yourself or for other people around you or just what you want in general. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do. They don't want to be specific in fear for how it looks to be specific or have these dreams like in their environment. I know for me, sometimes with my family, I've, I'm going to use my podcast, for example. I told them I was going to do a podcast and they were like, what is it, the radio? And I was like, no. And they're like, so people are going to listen to you. And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was specific and I said, people are going to listen to me speak about how to grow themselves into being the best version of themselves and getting out of their head and learning different tools outside of the box from what we were taught. Then I said that, but in that moment, I didn't realize that what all that entailed, right? It's like build it and they will come. And I started building it. And then that's when I started doing more research and reading books by like Dr. Joe Dispenza and the 12 universal laws of success. I've already been reading the art of war, but I didn't realize how big these concepts are in our lives and how they're still present. And I have more books. I've read more books now this last year than I have in my entire life. And I think that is one of the tools that a lot of people don't want to use are books. And because, you know, people look down on people who read. They're like, oh, you're a nerd. You know, I was made fun of a lot and I wasn't even like super academic. All right, you guys, that was part one. And if you like part one, go ahead and check out part two. And why not check out part three? And thank you. I'm very grateful for you joining me on these episodes.